Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Billy speaks about what the kingdom of heaven really is and what it means to be a part of it. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. us to pray. We're on part five. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into the word tonight. Hey, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I'm asking for attentiveness by the Holy Spirit in this room. I'm asking spirit of revelation be released. Open the eyes of our understanding. I pray peak our interest and peak our hunger We want to encounter you. So even tonight, I'm asking, as we get into the word again, draw us into the knowledge of you. Draw us into your heart. Speak to us of what's on your mind, the way you're thinking, the way you're feeling. So Holy Spirit, be the teacher. Let me stand as an oracle. Hold my hand, I ask. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, so we are on our part five of Teach Us to Pray, which we have been walking through the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter six, where Jesus breaks down a format of prayer. Um, It's interesting, and we've gone over this, but I'll give some of this for recap and some of this for some of those that are new. But so often the church has grabbed the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6 and they've just begun to repeat it and they just say the prayer over and over and over and over. But if you read in context, like verse 7 and 8, Jesus literally said, don't just say prayers over and over and over and over and repeat them. Don't do that. That's what the heathen do, thinking that they're going to be heard because of the number of words. And the point is, he goes, when you pray, pray in this manner. Pray in this format. And the idea is he's giving us a format of prayer. He's showing us basically like an outline on how to pray. And I will give this to you for some of you guys that really want to go into this. Psalm 145. And for those of y'all taking notes, I'd write that down. Psalm 145. If you look at Psalm 145 right next to the Lord's Prayer, you're literally going to see the exact format that Jesus lays out. You're going to see our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, deliver us from evil. You're going to see the whole thing. It's all right there. And so you literally see David unpacking prayer in Psalm 145 in the manner that Jesus gave us in Matthew 6. Am I making sense? I love when the Bible works like that, but it's really, really clear. But take some time with it. Read Psalm 145. Read it slow. Look at it with Matthew 6, and you will be surprised. All right, so tonight... We are on the part of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. How many were here two weeks ago when we talked about hallowed be thy name? Raise your hand. And we talked about the nature of God, and the Lord began to meet us in power that night. That was a powerful night. We dismissed, and probably 75% of the room didn't even move because the presence of the Lord rolled in here. I want to tell you something. That style of encounter isn't about whether or not I preach really well. Most often, when we experience encounters like that, it's because we are hungry and pulling on it. All right? I've watched this over 30 years of ministry. When I'm in front of a people who are hungry, it's so easy to preach. But when I'm in front of a people that want to be impressed, it's so hard to preach. When they want to be entertained, it's, I, I feel that draw to try to entertain because the Lord will actually give the people what they long for. It's how the nation of Israel got Saul instead of David. 
And finally, God said, I'm not going to do that anymore. You got a king, and it's the exact opposite of what I wanted to give you. Now, I'm going to give you a man after my own heart instead of after the desires of the people. But here's the point. God fills the hungry with good things. That is a biblical, spiritual principle. The currency in the kingdom of God is spiritual hunger. If you're hungry, the Lord will meet you, okay? And so even tonight, I'm asking you sit on the edge of your seat, not, not you know, in your heart, not literally physically, but get your heart peaked to see what God would say to you tonight, okay? All right, so we're in this portion of the Lord's Prayer where he says that the whole prayer, it shifts. We go from our Father, who is he? Who are in heaven, where is he? Hallowed be thy name. What is he like? And then the next step of the prayer changes. It, it's going to change from a devotional setup to now we're going to move into an intercessory setup. Your kingdom come. Do you see how it shifts right there? Now, that your kingdom come, your will be done, those next two components, those are dynamic, they're powerful, they're shocking, they're incredibly disruptive. The first thing that sticks out to me about that is, even in an individual and a personal way, if you pray your kingdom come, it literally, it literally means I'm asking my kingdom to go. So it becomes the most disruptive, it can be destructive in a really good way kind of a prayer. But that's where this, the Lord's Prayer takes on a whole nother trajectory at this moment. Your kingdom come, which is my kingdom go and every other kingdom go. We want God. We want heaven. We want your rule, your reign. Amen. And so... It's a massive shift. Now, here's what I want you to get your mind around. When Jesus first began to preach, he had one message. Now, before we get the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, he had this message, and the message was, repent for the, for the, the kingdom of God is at hand. You just change your mind because the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. Change the way you're thinking. The kingdom of God is here. The at hand, it literally means it's right here with you right now. When Jesus was saying repent, change the way you think about the kingdom, because it's right here right now, he was actually telling them the king is in front of you, and I'm bringing my rule and my reign. That's how they would have understood that. They would not have thought of it as some ethereal force, kingdom, influence thing. They would have thought he's actually declaring the reign of the kingdom of God is starting now. This is very clear in the Jewish mind. And so what's interesting is John the Baptist, that was his message. Do you remember that? He started off, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they started asking him, who are you? He said, I'm a voice preparing the way, right? I'm setting it up. I'm a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. The king is coming. He goes, you've got to change your mind because the king is coming. So then when Jesus shows up and he says, change how you're thinking because the kingdom is at hand. At hand literally means right here with you right now. Now he's saying, I'm the king and I'm here to rule and reign. And so what he does in Matthew 4 is really interesting. He starts his ministry, and he's not preaching long messages. He's just preaching, change the way you think, because the kingdom is here right now, and then he's healing everybody in sight. He's proving to them that the power of the kingdom is manifest, thus he's carrying something that's not of this world. He's carrying something that's of the kingdom of God. He's... He's confirming the message by the ministry. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So his first message is repent because the kingdom is here right now. The first intercessory point of the Lord's prayer 
is kingdom come, right? And then when you get down to the end of Matthew 6, you guys know this one. He says, there's something I want you to seek first. What is it? The kingdom. All right, this is important. Now, let's just get our, let's get our minds on this. His first message, the kingdom is at hand. The first intercessory point in the Lord's prayer, kingdom come. The first thing he says for us to seek is the kingdom of God. We're clear on all this. Can somebody explain to me what the kingdom is? You know, it's that kingdom thing. King things, kingdom, king things. We, we get it. It's king, dumb. He's not a dumb king, but you know what I'm saying. Could it be a problem? Jesus' message, Jesus' prayer, Jesus' thing he says we're supposed to seek first is the kingdom, and we have no clue what it is. Might that be an issue? I mean, if you're brand new and you just got saved like, you know, a month or two ago or last week or three months ago, like, I don't expect you to know what the kingdom is. But if you're raised in church and you've been like saved since you came out of the womb, you got saved on the inside, you're John the Baptist, okay? That's you. (laughs) And you don't know what the kingdom is or what Jesus is even talking about or what he's asking us to pray for we probably need to go ahead and take a step back and go, okay, Lord, I need to get this. Would, would you agree with me? That's what I want to do tonight. When he says, pray in this manner, ask for the kingdom, it's the first thing we're supposed to be asking for, we need to know what it is that we're actually even asking for. And so I, that's where I want to take us tonight. I want to take us to this place of coming to understanding, not just to know this prayer and know this format, but to know what we're actually praying for. Amen. So here's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is a literal kingdom. Okay. It's not a force. It's not an influence. It's not just like a power. Now, it has force. It has influence. And it has power. But the kingdom itself is not just an influence. It's not just the presence. The kingdom itself is much more specific and detailed than that. It's literally God's government and God's reign. The kingdom of God is God's government and God's reign, okay? Now, what if I said, we're all here in the United States right now, what if I said the kingdom of The Soviet Union is coming to America. What kind of images might that evoke in your mind? Because we're currently in a status in the earth right now where the kingdom of the Soviet Union has tried to go to where? Ukraine. And tried to manifest, I'm going to use spiritual language to describe this, to manifest its power and its rulership in Ukraine, right? And you can see that in a very tangible, physical way. When you pray, kingdom come, will of God be done, you're praying for the exact same kind of manifestation here on the earth as you would be if you were talking about any natural kingdom being manifest in another nation. So the rulership and the reign of God, the government of God, 
being exhibited and, and exerted in a place, that's what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes. And it is a literal kingdom And every kingdom, it has a culture, it has values, it has strategies and principles, it has a, a, you know, a, a force or a thrust, it has an army, it has an economy. Every kingdom has all these components of government, right? And it has a king. It does have ambassadors. I appreciate it. You just slide that right down in there. We're ambassadors. We are. Yes, we are. It has ambassadors and a king. Now, what's interesting is, say, like the kingdom of the United States, how does rulership get exerted in the kingdom of the United States? We're a uh, democratic republic, which means we're a representative government. We have uh, legislators that represent supposedly the will of the people. Pretty much it looks like they're power hungry and just want to stay in office and get money. But they're supposed to represent the will of the people, right? And we're able to cast votes. We're a free society. We can cast votes and put in that place for a representative to, to represent our wishes and desires. It's by the people for the people, right? In the kingdom of God, it's by God for God. But what's interesting is he won't do it alone. He only does his rulership and his reign in conjunction with people. And just like you make petition, if you're into politics, you make petition to your local representative or your senator or whoever it is, House of Representatives. We make petition, but we get to go where? Right to what? We get to go right to the throne and talk to the king. Do you catch this? You're already operating in the kingdom right now. So the kingdom is already functioning. It's already in operation, but it's not yet here in fullness, which is why the first time Jesus taught us to pray any intercessory prayer, he said, pray that the kingdom come. Where? As it is where? Are you catching me? So the rulership, the reign, the government of God, he literally has taught us at the jump to pray for that to happen and manifest here on earth, just like it's in heaven, so that everything that functions on the planet, it functions with the same submission, the same agreement that everything in heaven functions with. Do you think in heaven God goes, hey, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do ABC and like it's a bunch of angels on row 10 go, hey, excuse us. We don't really, we think that's stupid, God. We're not doing that. Like, do you think heaven has that experience? And we want to vote all the angels on this rank over here with that one living creature and all them elders. We got eight elders on our team. We're all going to vote. That ain't happening on earth as it is in heaven. He says, no, I want the rain. I want it manifest. I want the rulership manifest on the planet just like it is in the throne room, okay? So that's what you've been praying this whole time. You've actually been praying. You you, you go, our Father art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you've been praying for every throne of every nation to get overthrown and for Jesus Christ to take those seats of authority. You are a very subversive people. You're revolutionaries at the core. You've been praying for the overthrowing of the throne of every nation and for Jesus Christ to take rulership and reign over those thrones. Did you know that? You're like, no, I've been praying some king thing. I don't know. It's literally, guys, I am not exaggerating. It's literally what he taught the disciples to pray 
out of the gate. That all thrones would be overthrown, that Jesus Christ would rule and reign. Now, Scripture actually says he's going to overthrow the thrones of all nations. It literally says that. He is coming. Do you realize Jesus is coming? The king is coming. And when he comes, he is bringing his reign. It's coming here. The kingdom of God is coming to the planet in fullness. And Jesus Christ, the king, is going to take up rulership. King of kings, Lord of lords. You've been using this language a long time. You just didn't maybe really connect to what it was you were talking about. But hopefully we're going to get a little bit more clarity on it. All right. So I want to give you a verse. I'd like you to look at it. Go ahead and pull out your device, your Bible. Turn over to Ephesians 1. All these notes will be in the group me tonight. They're fairly detailed notes, four pages worth, so... You get to enjoy them in your personal time. I'm sure you just take the notes out and just read them two, three times a week. Think about me and my preaching, and how much it's ministered to you, how grateful you are that I spent hours working and sweating, praying, believing God for revelation and putting on notes for you. I'm sure you think, about, oh, I'm so grateful. He's so kind to do this for us. No. You're like, you're like I've never thought that. It's fine. All five of you that read the notes, I'm so, I'm so moved. Wait, all right, let's just be honest. How many of you actually look at the notes? Okay, all right, okay. That's a few more than oh, Alicia. I do. <laughs> Teacher's pet is like me. All right. They're there for you. Study them. Okay, here we go. Ephesians 1, look at this, verse 9. He made known to us, I'm reading the New International. He made known to us the mystery of his will. You could put a dot, dot, dot there. But it's according to his good pleasure, which he worked, purposed in Christ. He made known to us the mystery of his will to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment. What's the times reaching their fulfillment mean? At the right time when God planned it, like at the fullness of times. He goes, he made known to us the mystery of his will to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, hyphen in the NIV. Here it is. Here's the mystery of his will to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. The mystery of his will, he's bringing heaven and earth together, and Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign over both. Okay? Remember when Jesus was getting ready to ascend, he said to the disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples, okay? That is the power and the influence of his kingdom. We might call it the anointing. We might call it the presence. We might call it whatever, the, 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 the power of God, the glory of God. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now you go and make disciples. And he says, it's all authority in heaven and on earth. Now here's what I want you to catch. We are moving rapidly toward a day that the church has been praying for since Matthew 6, where Jesus Christ is not just commissioning people to manifest and preach and teach the, the values and the, and the gospel of the kingdom, but that Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on the earth. The king of the kingdom will be reigning over heaven and earth together. That's what we're moving toward. Now, let me show you this biblically because I think it's really important that you catch this idea that when you got saved, yes, you got set free from sin, you got cleansed, you got justified, but you got transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. 
You got transferred out of a kingdom that is in opposition to the kingdom of God. And because of sin, you are a subject of the kingdom of darkness. Now, somebody says, well, look, man, I wasn't a devil worshiper or anything. It doesn't matter because all you have to do to be outside of Christ is say yes to sin. And every single one of us have that same stain. Every single one of us born into sin. Every single one of us, we do rebellion naturally. We do lying naturally. We do thieving and stealing naturally. Why? Because we got that from sin. Have you ever noticed when you're with babies, you don't have to teach them to be selfish? Children in a room together, mine, mine, mine. You don't go, dear God, who taught you to do that? You sinful little child, who taught you? No, we, it's so inbred, we recognize sin is on board because of Adam. Our first father, he sinned, and it got into the human condition. And it's everyone's problem from then till now. And that's why Lucifer is called the God of this world. This world system, it has a sway, it has a temptation, it's drawing you a certain direction. It's in opposition to the kingdom of God. When you got born again, you got ripped from that kingdom and put into the kingdom of God. You got transferred. The power of the blood of Jesus made a massive shift and a change, not just in your heart, but in your citizenship, right? You're now a citizen of heaven, the scripture says. Your documents changed. Everything changed. You literally changed to this extent that Paul calls you a new creation. You had to get born again. Because your firstborning, your first birth, <laughs> your first birth bore you into the kingdom of darkness. And you had to get born into the kingdom of God. Do you understand what's going on here? You are in a battle, friends. The battle is between light and darkness. It's not between Satan and God. That's no fight. It's between God and you. The human heart. Will you say yes to the king and his kingdom, or will you stay in the kingdom of darkness? That's really what this thing boils down to. And God is always longing and drawing and, and wooing and kindly inviting you out of the destruction that is the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Okay? Now let's just get this clear in the scripture. All right. God creates Adam, God creates the planet, creates Adam, pulls Adam out of the dust, says this thing to Adam. He goes to Adam, have dominion. Now, that's a really interesting word. Now, we, we've looked at where Adam is the first priest. I'm sure we'll talk about that later another time. Casey's taught on that. It's been awesome. I, I really believe he's the first priest. But Adam is also the first king. The first man in charge of the planet. He says, have dominion. That word literally means have rulership. Reign over the planet, Adam. Be fruitful and multiply. Have dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the animals of the ground. Have dominion over all of it. Isn't it amazing? God created humanity to actually rule and reign with him. It's powerful. And Adam, what does he do? He sins. He comes outside of the value system of the kingdom of God. He submits himself to Lucifer, and he transfers his citizenship. By rebellion to God, he transfers his citizenship into the kingdom of darkness. And every person born, every human born from that point till now, is born into that kingdom of sin and darkness and rebellion against God, destruction, okay? 
That's why. I just need to take this little tangent. When you come to Jesus, there has to be a radical shift in your habits, in your thoughts. That's why he says you got to repent. you got to think differently now. Because what you've been in has been destroying you. And what you're going to be in is going to keep you alive and keep you filled with pleasure and joy. I just want to say this point needs for later time. Pleasure and comfort are not the same thing. Somebody went, uh, there's a kingdom of light, but you have to reject the old kingdom. Are you feeling me? you got to reject the old culture, the old ways, the old kingdom. That has to be gone, right? And you say yes to the new kingdom, the new culture, the new value system. It's wild to me that we have a version of Christianity that we propagate, especially in America, where people say yes to Jesus, but don't say yes to his values and his ways. They say yes to getting out of hell, but they don't say yes to who he is and his rulership and his reign in their lives. And so they end up playing a game, riding this line halfway in the kingdom of darkness, halfway in the kingdom of light. They're compromised. They're in and out of sin. And what's going on there? They haven't changed their citizenship. They're still kind of looking at the kingdom of light going, I like it. I like the benefits of that. But I still kind of like how it feels over here in darkness. So Adam... The first ruler, the first ruler of the planet, he was given dominion. He, uh, he sins, he loses that dominion, he forfeits it, he gives it to the enemy. He gives it to Satan. That's how Satan, guys, that's how Satan becomes the god of this world. Adam gave the dominion to him. Before that, he was a snake crawling around in God's garden. Fast forward now, 2,000 years. There's this guy, Abram. He lives in Babylon. He comes from a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur, that's the name of the city. He lived among the Chaldeans. He's just any old guy. And God invites Abram, and he says, I'm going to make of you a father of many nations. I'm going to change your name, Abram. I'm going to make covenant with you. I'm going to change your name. And your descendants are going to be like the stars of the sky. It's going to be sober. I'm going to make of you a nation. And what's God doing with Abram? Abraham, what's he doing with him? He is now starting a process of instituting a nation and a people by which he will birth his king into the earth and actually take rulership of the planet back. That's what he's doing. Because Abram, Abraham would have Isaac. Isaac would have Jacob. Jacob would become Israel. And that nation becomes God's own special people, right? But why is he choosing them? What's the deal? What's he doing with them? Why has he got to pick them? He's picking them because he's going to bring somebody through them who will be his king. Does that make sense? He's going to have a human king. So you have Abraham. You have this lineage. You go fast forward basically like another thousand years. You get David. And David becomes God's first chosen king. Remember, Saul was the choice of the people, but David was the choice after God's own heart. And here's the thing. I want you to see this passage. Look at 1 Chronicles 17. God is going to make a covenant with David that's all about this kingdom being established. Super important you understand this because, like I said, we've been praying kingdom come will be done for a real long time without even knowing what we're asking for. First Chronicles 17, God makes a covenant with David. Here's the covenant. Verse 10. Chronicles, that's the one in the Old Testament. You got that one? Okay. Some of y'all over in Corinthians going, I don't 17 chapters. I can't. First 
First is that Chronicles? Chronicles? Yeah, Chronicles. The C-H, not the C-O. All right. Here's what he says. Furthermore, I tell you, this is the Lord speaking through Nathan the prophet to David. He's making a covenant. Watch this. He says, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house. See, David was looking at God dwelling out there in a tent. They've been doing night and day prayer in the tabernacle of David. David's looking at that. He goes, ah, oh, I, that's not good. God needs to be in a house. God can't be in a tent, and I'm in a palace. God goes, David, you're so sweet, you're, but you're a man of war. You can't build me a temple. Your son will do it. But he goes, here's what I want to tell you, David. I tell you that the Lord will build you a house. And it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne. How long? Huh? Forever? I will be his father, and he shall be my son? I won't take my mercy away from him as I took it from him who was before you, Saul. I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom. Say the word again. And his throne shall be established. God promises David, there's coming out of your lineage and out of your house, your dynasty. There's coming one who's going to sit on the throne that you're sitting on. And he's going to sit on that throne forever. That is a stunning promise. Some of you guys have gotten good prophetic words. Word promised. He did a thing. He told you about your heart. You love to draw. You're like, I love to draw. I love it. I love charcoal. He knows me. And you're like, yes, God. David gets the bomb hit prophetic word of all time. Messiah is going to be your great, 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 great grandson. God in the flesh will be your grandson. You know, I mean, I appreciate when the Lord encourages us. Yea, and thus saith, you're an intercessor. Praise God. Just receive that groan. I am an intercessor. I cry all the time. Yes, you do. Glory. That's a good word. I love him. David gets prophesied that his son will be a king who will reign forever and he's going to sit on David's throne. He's going to sit on David's throne. Now David's throne is over the kingdom of what nation again? Say it again. Israel. There's a human being coming out of David's line who's going to reign forever so he's a human who reigns forever. That's a God human. Huh. And he's going to sit on David's throne, which means he's going to reign over a nation on the planet, the nation of Israel. Watch this. You guys didn't even know. What I'm about to show you right now, you didn't know was in the Bible. Flip over to 1 Chronicles 28. David knew that he was sitting on the throne of the kingdom of God on the earth. Watch it. First Chronicles 28, verse 5. And of all, this is David speaking, of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne, look at that phrase, of the kingdom of the capital L-O-R-D, over Israel. The throne of the kingdom of the Lord, that L-O-R-D, that is Yahweh. He goes, my son Solomon is the next in my line, and he's going to sit on my throne, and my throne is the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Lest you imagine I'm adding something, just flip over one page, First Chronicles 29, he's going to say it again. Then Solomon, verse 23, then Solomon sat on the throne of the capital L-O-R-D. That's Yahweh. 
as king instead of David, his father, and prospered, and all Israel obeyed him. David understood that the throne that he was sitting on would one day be sat on by a king who would reign forever, and that that throne that David was sitting on was the throne of the kingdom of God on the earth. It's shocking, but this is your Bible that I'm reading. Now, here's what happens after David. We get Solomon, and then Solomon's sons, it it goes completely sideways, splits the kingdom. Everything goes in complete disarray. And for the next 400 years, Israel's in and out of judgment, in and out of sin, in and out of trials, okay? It's this dark hour. And the hope of Israel was that the Messiah would come, that this king who would reign forever would come. But it looks completely like it's not going to happen. And Israel gets so wayward. They get so far off of what God had for them. Israel comes under the judgment of the Lord, and they literally go into captivity, into slavery in Babylon, and the entire nation is decimated. So it looks like it's completely over. Have you ever wondered, have you ever conceived, why has Israel been so hated and so attacked over so many years? What is going on there? Could it be Lucifer, the God of this world, is attacking the nation that God is bringing, the king that's going to reign forever? He's attacking that nation and trying to destroy it so Jesus can't reign on the earth. So it looks like it's over. Babylon has burned it down. They've burned down the temple. They've burned it all down. Israel's enslaved. They're in Babylon. And this young guy, Daniel, this young prophet, he goes there when he's about 16. He stays there till he's in his 80s. He has encounters with the Lord. And in Daniel 7, what you end up with is God, he he thunders to the nation of Israel. He says, it's not over. And he gives Daniel the vision. And here it is, verse 13. I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. Everybody say, Son of Man. I want to give you this as a little aside. The number one way that Jesus Christ referred to himself in his earthly ministry, the number one phrase that he used to describe himself, Son of Man. One like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. To him, then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one that will not be destroyed." The encounter that Daniel has basically is the Lord telling Daniel, it's not over. That promise that was given to David that there would be an eternal king, a king that would reign forever, that there would be a throne established on the earth where this, this king would reign forever, that one, he is still coming. It's still on. It's still going to happen. And when Jesus shows up, Hosanna to the son of, no, David. They know exactly who he is. They know he's the king that's coming in the line from David. Jesus refers to himself as son of man 70 plus times. There was no, when when people say uh, Jesus never called himself God, He called himself son of man, which was the king that's going to reign forever. He was constantly saying, I'm God in the flesh. He was constantly saying it. Son of man equals God in the flesh. It's the Daniel 7 son of man. So when Jesus says the kingdom is here, right now, at hand, and pray that the kingdom come, he was talking about this global takeover of the kingdom of God manifest on the earth. 
Again, John the Baptist, now fast forward 600 years later, John the Baptist shows up. John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom is at hand. I'm the one that's going before him. I'm the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Then Jesus shows up. He preaches the same message. And here's what happens. The most shocking thing. They're looking for the king. They think Jesus is the king, and the king dies in front of them. Rome with help from the Jewish elders, kill the king that's promised. It's over. It's over. I mean, can you imagine the shock going on with the disciples even in the heavenly ranks, the angels looking, you know, wanting to look into things that were prophesied and not comprehending. I mean, angels long to understand these things, the scripture tells us. And he's dead. And he's in the grave. And he's in the grave for a day and then another but that third day is a good day. And the king of life, death couldn't hold him. The grave can't stop him. He is reanimated, raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, by the Holy Spirit, proven to be the Son of God by the power of an indestructible life. Jesus is now alive. That king that the enemy tried to stop, that the Roman rulers tried to destroy, that the, that the Pharisees tried to cut off from ruling and reigning, he's out of the grave. It's on. It is on. Now, you would think the story should end right there. He's going to rule and reign. He's raised from the dead. He's going to take over, rule and reign, everything at that point, right? That would make a lot of sense. Instead, there's this entire company of people that he wants to bring into his kingdom and not leave them struggling under the sin and bondage of the kingdom of darkness. And that cross, his bloodshed, opens the door for everyone to get in on the kingdom. Come on. And what does he do? He stays around 40 days on the earth with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom. And he goes, now, pray, get in, get in one space, pray until you're endued with power from on high. Ten days in, Fire falls. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They are empowered to be witnesses, and it's on. It's on. Through the power of the blood of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, people are no longer captive to the kingdom of darkness. They're able to be set free. They're able to be delivered. They're able to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And here's what's going on. We are in a season of time right now where Jesus Christ has commissioned a people, his church, his ecclesia. It's the ambassadorial part of the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors here on this planet that's still under the rule and the reign of the God of this world, but we are coming with a power that's from another age. And here we are bringing that power and inviting people out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. This is who we are right now. This is who we are. And every single day, life, I love how Caleb Andrew said it, life isn't only but it's always a war. And you and I, that's why we're in a fight. 
That's why you're getting buffeted. That's why the enemy's hitting your mind. That's why he's coming against you. That's why the challenges are happening. That's why the trials and the difficulties are happening. That's why the hardships are happening. But I'll tell you, when we suffer, we are with him in it because there's fellowship in those sufferings. Our king suffered, and our king was the sacrifice. Our high priest, he went into the throne room before us, and he put his blood on the altar. The priest is the sacrifice. The king opened the door. And we're living in that reality right now. And we're inviting everybody that will, anyone who will listen, come out of the kingdom of darkness, come into the kingdom of light. Come out of that mess. Come out of that bondage. Come out of those strongholds. Come out of that thing, that deception, that brokenness, that addiction, that jacked up life. The enemy is trying to destroy you. Jesus loves you. He wants to set you free. He is a king, and his kingdom is not of this world, but it's coming to the planet near you. Your kingdom come. So we manifest the influence, we call it the anointing of the kingdom. We manifest the power of the kingdom. We preach the gospel of the kingdom. The Bible says when when people are experiencing powers now, healings, deliverances, they are experiencing powers of the age to come. The powers of the kingdom age. We're in this mode right now of rescuing everybody that will come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Anybody that will come, come out of darkness, come into light. Get transferred. Let's change your citizenship. Come on. That's the mode we're in right now. But I'll tell you, there's a day coming that we've been praying for since Matthew 6, your kingdom come, when Jesus Christ is going to split the sky He is going to come to this planet. He is going to drive the enemy off the planet who's been usurping the kingdom since Genesis 1. He's going to drive him off the planet. He's going to cast him into the lake of fire. And Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on the earth. By the way, which nation is he going to rule and reign from? Israel. Whose throne is he going to sit on? David's. Why? Because he's the promised son of David. He is the king of the kingdom of God on the earth. This is what you've been praying for. This biblical theology is critical for you to understand because, look, Christianity isn't about a Sunday morning service or even a Thursday night worship time. Christianity is about a king who's bringing his kingdom here. That's what it's about. It's about a lifestyle and a culture change. Man, my heart breaks when I see people and they say yes to Jesus in an altar and they don't change their culture. What happened? They said yes to the promise of the kingdom, but they came and and they said, you know what? I still like the perks of the kingdom of darkness. I get to do what I want when I want. I get to feel the way I want to feel as I want to feel it. And it's all lies because you get promised liberty and put in bondage. You get promised freedom and you get put in chains. You get promised pleasure and you get caught in sin. I can't tell you how many times when I was out there running around, and, I, and I, was, I found myself in sin, and it was just, it was like everything caved in on me, and I go, how did I get here? Because the promise of it was so good. You know what I found? All you got to do to stay in the kingdom of darkness is do what you want to do. Because your sin nature works perfectly with the kingdom of darkness. So how then do we get into the kingdom of light? How does this thing actually work? How do we change our papers? There's one word. He started it. His whole messages started with this one word. Repent. Repent. 
Repent. Because the kingdom is at hand. Repent. Change the way you think. This isn't about doing it your own way. This isn't about doing it in your own strength. This isn't about your own ability or planning your own life or your own 1, 5, 10, 20-year plan. This isn't about you getting everything you can and canning everything you get. This isn't about how you can make the best life for yourself. This is about a king who is rescuing you from a burning building. The whole world, 1 John 5, 9 says, the whole world lies under the sway of the enemy. And there's a current that's pushing and drawing everybody a certain direction. And Christians so often, and I just see this in American Christianity so much, we want to add Jesus to our already happy, comfortable life and get all the benefits of the kingdom of God while we're still living in charge of ourselves. And I will tell you something. That's false because there's only one king in the kingdom. There's only one star in the kingdom of God, and it's him. But here's the beauty of him. This is the beauty of him. When you say yes to his will, his will is the good pleasure of him. But when you say yes to following his will, when you say yes, I'll follow your will, what you find is your deep desire and longing and greatest pleasure, it collides with his deep desire and longing and pleasure for you. His thing that's the greatest pleasing thing that he wants for you, it'll give him the most pleasure. It's also the thing that will give you the most pleasure. The one thing that young people always think of, they think, man, if I'm going to serve God, he's going to make me do something I hate. He's going to marry, make me marry somebody with a wooden head. Somebody I don't even like. Do things I don't even like. Because God just, he's like that. He's grumpy and mean. No, he made you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes your heart move. He knows what your longings are. And you know why people stay in the kingdom of darkness? Because they like to keep their hands on the steering wheel and try to find their desires and their pleasures, and it always brings them into train wrecks. But if you'll take your hands, Jesus, take the wheel. Glory to God. Take your hands off the wheel. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't even, how's it go? Everybody get your... Okay, 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 we're good, we're good, we're good. There you go. It literally is letting go of your way, doing things by your strength, accomplishing what you think you want in your own power, and submitting to the king. And when you do that, his greatest pleasure and your greatest desire will collide in that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Kingdom come on earth. It starts with people rejecting the kingdom of darkness and accepting the kingdom of light. But in fullness, it's Jesus Christ ruling and reigning on this planet, overthrowing the thrones of every nation. And I tell you, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation all across this entire planet, they're going to come under the authority of the kingdom of God. This is where we're headed. And right now, he's so kind. He's made us ambassadors. And we say, listen, listen, listen. Be reconciled to God. The problem isn't with God. This idea that God's this mad God that's mad at all the sinners, that is not what the scriptures teach us. What the scriptures teach us is this, that Christ died and he, he bore the sin. He bore the shame. He took it all on himself. And, and he says, we are ambassadors for him and we are, you know, calling you to be reconciled on your side to God. Change. I find this 
a lot of people, they've never changed kingdoms. They like the perks of the kingdom of light, but like they like to function in the kingdom of darkness. They're being drawn to the kingdom of light, but they've never changed citizenships. And that's why the American church so often, you can't tell the difference between it and the world. You can't tell the difference between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light because the subjects look almost the same. Repent. It's not a bad word. It's an awesome word. Change the way you think. Change the way you act. Turn away from what you've been doing. Give yourself a new king. He loves you. He died for you. Say yes to the king. Say yes to his reign. Say yes to his leadership. This is what it means to live in the kingdom of God. We say yes to the king. We follow his ways. There's so much more in the notes. I didn't really even hit them all. I didn't hit a third of them, two-thirds. Let's just stand. There's so many people who need to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. They need to come under the lordship of Jesus. It's stunning to me that Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, the very first intercessory point was, your kingdom come. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. Now, having heard what I just said, would you ask him, your kingdom come? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God. Draw us. Draw us. Draw us. Some of you right now, you're, you're trying to figure out, did I change citizenships? Did I say yes to the kingdom of light? Like you may not have understood everything I said, but if you just, if you ever said, Jesus, I, I want to give you my life. I trust you. He transferred you. Don't be flirting back with the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light looks different. It's love. It's, it's unity. It's faith. It's patience. It's beauty. Maybe you say, man, I need to transfer myself. I need to say no to the kingdom of darkness. Repent and run to the kingdom of light. Run to Jesus. If you've never truly done that, maybe you just try to add Jesus to your already existing lifestyle. But you say, I, I, I want to run. I want to run away from the kingdom of darkness. I want to run to the kingdom of light. If you say, that's me, I want to pray for you. I just want you to get out of your seat. Just come down here. I want to pray for you. And just come now. doesn't matter if you've been in the church a long time. doesn't matter. How you've thought. saying yes. Say no to the kingdom of darkness. We're repenting. Saying yes to the kingdom of light. Yes to the king of kings. Yes to the Lord of lords. Come. Come. Some of you are like, I don't even know if I changed my citizenship. I don't know if I got dual citizenship. There is no dual citizenship. Kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. Come on. If you need to come, just come.
I remember I came to altar calls like this about a half dozen times before I realized my faith was real and true. It's okay. You're stepping out of the kingdom of darkness and you're saying yes to Jesus' reign. Just come now. I gave this same message to 1,500 young adults in 2008 and I watched 500 people sprint to an altar. I've never seen people run and face plant in an altar like I did that night. Let's all pray together right now, guys. Lord, we love you. We need you. We trust you, Jesus. You're kind and you're good. We don't want to flirt and play games. We want to believe and trust. And so right now, you're so good that when we pray, when we ask, you answer. You're so kind that you're waiting to answer our prayers. And you're so willing. You've been so good to us. You died for us. We want to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So let's just say this together all over the room. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I run to you tonight. I repent of going my own way living in my own strength by my own ability and I come to you and I confess I am a sinner and I need you to save me thank you for your blood thank you for your cross I accept it cleanse me save me change me I trust you I turn to you, and I turn away from sin, and I declare you, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, your kingdom come in my life on earth as it is in heaven, and I declare I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for changing me. I receive it now. In Jesus' name, let's just surrender. I surrender over and over and over and over to him. I surrender. I've surrendered thousands of times to him. Just surrender. I surrender to you, Lord. I surrender to you, Lord. surrender to you, Lord. I surrender to you, Lord. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.